Hi, I'm Olivia, and welcome to On the Rocks, a limited series podcast designed to give it to you straight up. Because life is kind of weird, and I'm honestly just trying to figure mine out. Each conversation you hear will aim to expand your mindset and empower you to trust yourself as you move through your own lives. I'm happy you're here. Well, hello there, and welcome back. I hope everyone is having a lovely day. I had quite the week last week. If you didn't know, you don't follow me on Instagram. I suffer from a condition called angioedema, which pretty much causes me to have these really painful under-the-skin hives. Let me set it up for you. My week was going great so far. It was Monday afternoon, our new couch came in, and I was living my best goddamn life. Until about 3 a.m. when I woke up looking like a pufferfish with botched Botox lips. It was a literal nightmare, and all in all, it was actually really traumatizing. It's happened once before for me about seven years ago, and I've kind of been waiting for it to happen again since that day. It is tough when you're fully out of control of your body. And then add a throat closure watch on top of it, and the combination of things to worry about is like a petri dish for anxiety. I've had to spend a lot of time this last week focusing on relaxing and reminding myself what my body can do for me. At first, I was like really mad at my body. Like, why are you doing this? What is going on? I had to cancel a podcast interview, and I knew that both my day and week were going to look very different than I had planned. And as we all know, I love my routine. I am reliant on it. But I actually really surprised myself this time around. We got ahead of the reaction, and instead of completely losing my shit, I focused on staying calm and doing what needed to be done. I think everything felt so out of control for me that I was kind of like, fuck it, when it came to mostly all of my obligations. Now here I am, I'm talking to you, my lips are back to normal, and I am feeling insanely grateful for the fact that my body was able to do what it needed to do to take care of me in that moment. And instead of acting on a like end of the world vibe, I took a moment of pause, which I'm working on therapy. I put my health first and I gave myself the compassion I needed to get through the day and the week. I think it can be so easy. The reason I'm saying this, like all of this, I'm giving you all of this information. The reason I'm saying it is because I think it can be so easy to feel alarmed when our life doesn't go to plan, both big and little things. And sometimes it really can feel like the end of the world. Maybe you drink too much one night and you woke up feeling like absolute shit and reconsidered the state of your entire life. Maybe you made a mistake at work that got you into trouble with your boss. Or maybe your lips blew up to the size of a literal continent in the middle of the night, which caused overall turmoil. Take a second and remind yourself that you have the ability to shift your reaction. Instead of beating yourself up, you can recognize what happened and find the best and healthiest way to move on. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. Now, I am so excited to introduce such a special conversation with Melanie Masarin, the founder and CEO of Gia. If you've never had it, you must try it. It's a non-alcoholic aperitif, and it's one of my favorite NA drinks in the space. I actually found out about it last year, and it was during ski season, and I used to bring it to the mountain. And like when we would grill out with friends, I would be drinking Gia. It's really nice because it's not sweet at all. So if you like bitters, it's the drink for you. Melanie is so interesting, and her and I chat about her growing up in Europe, starting in any company before the non-alcoholic space was cool, and a little bit about love and what it means to respect your partner if you choose to partake in alcohol consumption differently. You can find more about Gia on their Instagram at drinkgia.com. 
Don't forget to rate, subscribe, and most importantly, share the show with your friends if it feels meaningful to you. It's the best way for you to show support, and I do appreciate it so much. With that, we welcome Melanie. Hello, everyone. I am incredibly honored to be sitting down for a conversation today with Melanie Masserin, founder and CEO of Gia, a non-alcoholic aperitif designed to change the way we think about drinking and socializing. For the purposes of this podcast, it's important to note that Melanie generally lives an alcohol-free lifestyle. Melanie, thank you so much for being here today. I am just beyond excited to be able to chat with you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. So I want to kind of start, I love asking people how in the beginning, I want to know about yourself, your upbringing. I know you didn't grow up in the United States. So I want to hear a little bit about what your childhood was like and kind of the relationship that alcohol played in your life growing up into kind of your teen years. I grew up in France and I moved to the U.S. for college. I grew up in Lyon, between Lyon and the south of France and, you know, in definitely a very like boozy family because you know I live like near wine country and like it was just like it was like a very celebratory way of life and so I feel like you know I was used to like seeing my parents drink all the time and I was never myself a big drinker I moved to the U.S. for college and I feel like while a lot of people you know in the U.S. go to college they're like yay no parents I was like kind of like oh my god I'm so far from home and I really to like send me here this is my big like responsibility uh and I was working a lot to make money while I was in college as well and so I never really drank that much but then even like moving to New York City afterwards you know I never I don't know if I had two glasses of wine like that was plenty for me and a few years into being in New York I you know when I moved to the US I like started having stomach pains and I was always questioning like why I never felt this way before and I realized like the quality of the food maybe isn't as good as in my little hometown of Lyon, which, you know, I never appreciated the fact that it's like the gastronomical capital of Europe. And like, we have like the best food there, but I just didn't know. I just like I'm in college and I gained like eight pounds and I always have stomach pains. And I was like, what is going on? And I moved to New York and I was very interested actually in thinking more about this food system in America. And I ended up joining the team at Dig In and worked very closely with the restaurants there. And also just like, you know, they're definitely one of the brands that like does the work and like needed help telling the story, which is so much easier than the opposite. So, you know, really a big focus on like working with small farms and like, I guess why just like this has been so core to my life. And this is actually what I'm missing, you know, in the US, this like nonchalance about hosting and having people over all the time and having home-cooked food and all of that. And so anyways, fast forward a few years, I um, decided to completely stop drinking. It was not like one day I was drinking and the next day I decided to quit. It was more like I was working crazy hours. I had done like an animation diet to figure out what was wrong with me, with a nutritionist, with like my stomach. And like I was like, oh, it's not booze. It was dairy, by the way. It's not booze. Yeah, I was like, you know, you never question it. You grew up in Lyon. Like, I mean, we would cook everything in better, like a hundred percent of things. And I thought it was healthy to have a yogurt in the morning and, you know, and then I did my elimination diet and I was like, oh, I'm like really intolerant to dairy, which is interest an interesting discovery. So I did my elimination diet, realized that alcohol wasn't my main trigger, that dairy was my main trigger, but I felt so much better without the booze. And so it wasn't like 
I'm going to quit drinking. It was more like, I'm not going to drink tonight because I have a meeting in the morning or a flight in the morning. At that point, I was head of retail for Glossier. So in the kind of like heyday of Glossier, we're growing like super quickly, opening the stores. And it's like every pop-up that we did had like a line out the door. And like I opened it and I was scouting for another one. And I was working on this in the flagship in New York and like life was nuts. It was like, you know, in New York City 2017, which feels like a world away. But I think I was probably at some of those glossy pop-ups we met before. And so it was more like, not going to drink tonight, not going to drink tonight again, not going to drink tonight again, until I realized I hadn't drunk in a while. And now it's been a few years. And when people ask me about my sobriety, like I don't like using that word because I'm very lucky that it's a choice um, for me and not, you know, I'm not in recovery. I'm not dealing with addiction. So I, I always say it's my sobriety with a small S, but I, I usually define it as... I like to have an annual martini, meaning like the doors open if there's like a moment that I really intentionally choose to have a drink that mm -hmm. has alcohol in it. But usually in general, I just don't drink because it's easier and it makes my life better. Yeah, I think it's funny that you say when it makes your life better. I'm very similar. I mean, for me, it was a choice and I feel so lucky in that. And I try to call myself, you know, sober curious or a non-drinker just because again, it's one of those things where I did have the choice to kind of stop drinking. But I think once you do really stop, you kind of realize it just doesn't even feel like there's a need anymore for me when I go out. I'm like, I don't even really crave it. I don't want to pay the money for it. I mean, it's fine, but it's like, whatever. And I also feel like there's so many kind of zero proof cocktails on the market right now too. There's a lot of stuff going on in that, in that world. There's been a lot of, you know, some people call them competition, but like, I don't really think of them as such, but there's definitely like a newcomers, a lot of newcomers to the category, which is actually a good thing for us because now we are a category. We're not just like a random non-alcoholic aperitivo and what is an aperitivo and like, why would I buy it if there's no alcohol in it? You know, it's like helps us establish the movement. And it's truly one of these things where when I was trying to start Gia, well, when I had the idea for Gia, which was like, I wasn't someone who I was like, I'm going to create my company no matter what. But I was kind of finding myself. I did a lot of freelance work. Like I was very lucky that after leaving Glossier, you know, it, it like sort of made me a very hireable person. And so I had a lot of men on the freelance side, like everyone wanted to recreate the Glossier stores. So I was like, I'm going to give myself some time to really do something that I didn't want to jump into another startup. I didn't want to burn myself out again. I wanted to do something that felt very meaningful. And I was really trying to figure out what that was. And so I thought of that because it was very pull to me because I love eating. I'm completely eating out. I used to live in New York City. I feel like people in New York, it's just very hard to even cook because kitchens are so small. Apartments are so small. I have a number of friends that use their ovens as extensions of their closets. And you know, it was like you just end up eating out a lot. And it's difficult because even if you are having like sweet green or if you are having, you know, dig in or something like that for lunch, like which is kind of like the best options available, then what's for dinner? You end up socializing outside of your home a lot. And so it was very personal. I thought, wow, you know, everyone is trying to decompress from their really busy jobs and transition the day into the evening with their first drink of the evening. And every time the best option for me is a mocktail, which for so many reasons doesn't work for me. The first one is that it's called a mocktail. And the second one is that it's made with juices and it's full of sugar and it's just not what I want to taste. Like forget about the nutritional value of it, which will be like cut my appetite before dinner. It's just, I don't want OJ for dinner. I don't want like something that is so 
yeah, sweet and one note. And so, and infantilizing in a way. And so I started having the idea and I wanted to, you know, I interviewed so many chefs. I was like, tell me, are people asking for non-alcoholic drink? Because my stats here say that X percent of the population doesn't drink. And they were like, no. Right. So that was oh. for you is like, you started at such an early time because I feel like when, when did Gia start? Like, when did you come up with the idea of Start to Put in Action? I started thinking about it in 2018. I started working on it at the end of that year. I mean, it's just so... Mid-20. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. And especially in 2020, right, when everyone started drinking again, and it was like this big thing, this big, like, wave of, what do I do? I'm just going to drink because I have to sit at home. Oh, and I mean, forget that. We were supposed to launch in restaurants only in April 2020. So at that point, it's like... Okay, I've convinced myself that this is going to work, even if everyone is telling me that this is not going to work. It took me a year and a half to make the recipe, which at that point, I'm still freelancing. I have Henry, who was like a really close friend of mine, who has agreed to come on as CEO. So I'm like, I'm saying for Sweet Green. And then every time I get a pick, I Venmo him because we're not even incorporated yet. And we like don't have money to like pay for like lawyers. And so... We're just doing that. And I'm like, okay, we're ready. We're going to, you know, we partnered with 50 restaurants. They're down. I've convinced them that we're going to be able to launch. And I want this product to be like friends and family launch. We're going to get back on the product. We are going to like make people feel invited. Like that was my main thing. It's like, of course, I wanted to create a product that was extraordinary in its flavor. And that really, you know, made people think about what they consume. But I also wanted people to enjoy it outside of their homes. I wanted it to be a very celebratory drink, not a lesser version of an alcoholic drink, not for nights off. You know, it's like, I think of Gia as like a night on. And I also think that if you are like a Gia drinker, like most of your days and nights are on, if that makes sense. So April 2020, it's, it's like two weeks before, literally all the restaurants shut down and I'm sitting on these bottles and I'm thinking, what am I going to do? Like there are glass bottles full of red liquid. Like it's a nightmare to ship this stuff and and we were like we didn't know what people were going to think about it and so we pushed the launch and we were like okay we're going to build a website it's going to be fine a lot of people by that time by the way told us you should just like wait and see like covid's going to go away it was at the very beginning of like the peak uncertainty right so it's not like hindsight is obviously 2020 and it's not like we knew that we were going to be fine and that you know Restaurants were going to pivot to grocery and whatnot, which a lot of them did. And actually, a lot of them ended up selling Gia as grocery. But like, well, I didn't even charge them for those bottles. There was no way I was going to take their money, right? So I have these bottles. I don't know how long they're going to last. So we, this is more like for the little story now. We pushed yeah. it on. And like at that point, it's like not even funny. Our revised launch date turned out to be during the Black Lives Matter protest, blackout. Oh, no. So at that point, I'm just like, okay, well, we obviously have to push the launch again. At this point, we've like paid for a PR agency for three months. Like we're like, we're completely like losing, we're, we're bleeding money, right? So I was like, okay. And and also at this point, everyone is telling us that we just need to like pause. But I realized this was beyond me. I, you know, I was also like protesting and feeling very energized by like this movement at the time. And I was just like, we'll pause and we'll see. And we're just ready. And at this point, like all of our press pretty much bailed because I'm a white founder and that's fair. Mm-hmm. Our launch is going to be an email to whoever wandered on our site over the past few months, which was maybe 400 people. And then we're going to post on Instagram to, I think we had like like almost a thousand followers, which is like so small, but seemed so big because we had pushed, we had announced that we were launching. And so we'd started populating the feed. So we had this sort of like little like mood board 
of Gia. And so we were like, you know what? The day that we decide that we're going to launch, we'll post a teaser and then we'll just launch and we'll see. Like the site's ready. Everything was ready. And so it was a week. But I'm still thinking that my bottles are going to expire on me because we didn't really know at that oh point. Oh my God. The production's last and we had 1,200 bottles. And yeah. So anyway, so I just didn't know if it was going to be three months or six months, but we really wanted to like for people to be able to drink them in the next three months. So I kind of had to launch. So a week later, we posted on Instagram and actually we got like a little piece of press in Vogue. We did well. I mean, it was a slow build at the beginning, but that's kind of the story mm-hmm. of Vogue, right? Long winded answer. You have to have such like, you know, when they talk about having an entrepreneurial spirit, like this is the kind of shit that I could never fucking do. I would lose my like. Did you lose sleep? Did was your did your stomach issues come back? Like I can't imagine the amount of anxiety you must have had. It's so funny that you say that because I've had stomach aches. Like the stress really just gets to me. Like they say it's your second brain, and it's so true. Yeah, um, yeah. So yeah, I mean it's really stressful. I think candidly, like. I can't imagine what else I would do with my life. I love Gia so much. I am so energized by all the pearl notes I get from people, all the, I don't know, like I read people's gift notes, you know, um, mm-hmm. on each other. And like, there's nothing, it feels, it's like an extension of myself, which probably is like unhealthy, but that's another story. And I can't imagine what else I would do, but also I, I realized that I only did it because I had no idea what I was getting myself into. And this business is so much harder than anyone. They told me it would be hard and I didn't believe them because I was excited and it just felt right. But it's just so hard. Is it hard because the non-alcoholic space is a tough place to be? I don't really know really much about it. I mean, I'm I'm interested to know kind of what that space is like and having a, a brand and a product. And I feel like Gia was really one of the first, I mean, compared to all of the brands that are coming out right now, I feel like Gia is really one of the first that I heard of. And I know for me, like I told you before we started recording, you know, when I chose to stop drinking within the first maybe five or six weeks, I was drinking Gia and I was having spritzes at a prey during skiing and it was so nice. And I, I didn't really have any other non-alcoholic spirits that were on my radar at the time. So I want to hear about the non-alcoholic space, but I also do want you to explain to people who might be listening what an aperitivo is. I know there's like a cultural you know, thing behind it and really what it's about. I think in the United States, it's not something that's as popular or well-known. So I'd love for you to explain a little bit about what it is. So people kind of have this idea of why Gia is a little bit different than something else they might be drinking. Yeah. There's a lot of, I would call them alcohol alternatives in general right now, and they can easily be categorized into three. And the first one would be what I call analogs. So they would be products that really try to mimic a spirit that already exists. So a gin alternative, a rum alternative, you know, a brand like Liars or like they really, they have like a non-alcoholic mezcal and an alcoholic gin and an alcoholic. And so you swap it as an ingredient in a cocktail. There's a bunch of those. And as a consumer, they're just not for me because like if I'm having a a non-alcoholic drink, like I'm not having fake gin because I never really liked gin to begin with, right? So, (laughs) you know, they are like bartenders really covet them. And I think that if you're someone who loves a cocktail, loves to drink, and maybe you're not drinking because you're pregnant or for a medical reason, you like really enjoy that. Then the second category would be the small beverages. So they have CBT, they have nootropics, they have adaptogens, and they claim that they will, you know, help like alleviate stress or like energize you. You know, I think Kin is one that is worth mentioning there because they have products that are very specific to 
specific occasions and also they launched while I was working on Gia. So I was like, oh, interesting, which is funny because it never occurred to me to put anything functional in my drinks because I wasn't really seeking that. But, you know, it's, I mean, it's really worked for them. I think when they launched their first, I don't know if it's still the case, but their product had caffeine because it's true that when you go out and you don't want to drink, you kind of want that little energy boost, you know? I was like, I've definitely used drink espresso martinis you know and it's like there's really yeah. nothing so well, I found too that when I go out and I don't drink I don't know if you feel the same way but I definitely do find myself getting a little bit more exhausted earlier and I don't really feel as like enticed to be staying out much later you know it's also like a social lubricant and then you know sometimes people tell us like oh when I drink Dia are you sure there's nothing in this I feel like I'm drinking and it's like well maybe having a drink in your hands and feeling more comfortable and engaged helps you stay up but in general you know Alcohol also has like physical effects. And then there's the third category, which is really the ones that are designed for flavor over function, of which I think we were the first ones to launch like that. It's also more difficult to explain. And so, you know, I'm French. My dad's Italian. I grew up between Lyon and the south of France. I love anything that has to do with the sea. And the culture of aperitivo is a culture of this ritual of this like 5 p.m. drink and olives and little anchovies and little snack. And it's this moment before a meal. By the way, in the summer vacation, like we do aperitivos at 11 a.m. too because it's before <laughs> like 12. It's this moment of like snacking and gathering and it's a transition into the meal time. An aperitif, which is the French word, from aperitivo is a drink that will often open your appetite. It's usually dry. So you could you could use a white wine as an aperitif if it's like your first meal of the evening. And the flavor profile that I was basing myself on when designing Gia. So instead of thinking like, what are the effects that I want on my body? I thought, what are the flavors that I'm craving? So really wanting to take a culinary perspective. And, you know, everyone always orders a dry drink. And I'm like, why are you? That's exactly what was my issue was people serving me a mocktail. It was that I wanted something dry. And that's actually impossible pretty much to do with juices. You just have to use extracts or oils or some other form of the ingredients. And so we really wanted Gia to be like a non-alcoholic Amaro, which is a very like herbaceous drink, usually red from Italy, the most common kind of like ones in the Amaro family would be like a Campari or an Aperol, um, you know, Bruto does really delicious one on the alcoholic side. And so Gia was the first non-alcoholic Amaro. And so it's, it really has this flavor profile. It's more bitter. The base is gentian roots, but we really kind of like try to take like a more cooking forward approach that would pair with the food. So it will not cut your appetites. In fact, you know, aperitifs are supposed to open your appetite, which is not to say that it will make you hungry, that it will make you hungry, but it will definitely prepare you and complement the food that you're about to have. Wow. Okay. That's so interesting. I feel like when I tried Gia for the first time, I kind of was like, oh my gosh, it's so bitter. And then it kind of like, even a few minutes later, I was like, oh, this feels really nice on my stomach because I'm not kind of drinking, like you said, this orange juice or like, I'm really into making mocktails, but literally one of my big things about making mocktails is I don't just want it to be like juice and sugar. I feel like first of all, makes it feel so like lesser than alcohol. Like, oh, here you go. And you know, I, when I used to go out to drink, I would go to like a bar and I'd say, oh, can I have a mocktail? And they'd like bring over an orange juice and a glass for kids. And I was like, okay, so now I'm just really feeling even more like shit. And I'm going to have to drink this orange juice at dinner in the middle of my meal, like while I'm eating chicken. And it just feels kind of weird. And so I find that that's so important and it's such a great alternative to have 
for people to have. I know you talked a lot about kind of this culinary forward experience with Gia. So where did you like source the ingredients from? And can you give us like a bit of a flavor profile? Because I'm interested to hear what your perspective is on like what it tastes like if you've ever tasted it. Yeah. So a lot of people are like, they taste it and they're like, oh my God, this is so bitter. Like we literally had an article in Consumer Reports that came out recently and they were like, yeah, it tastes like gasoline. I was like, well, that's a little bit harsh, but also how would you have described your first glass of red wine ever and your first dirty martini ever. And by the way, like that was my drink of choice when I was drinking. It would be, you know, maybe once a week, like I'd have one dirty martini. It was plenty to feel all the feels. And so, you know, I think that the best drinks and the best foods you never like on the first try because the only taste bud that, you know, will kind of like be very positive, like the first time you have something is the one from sugar. So you know, if you're like, oh, this is really delicious, it's probably because it's strawberry juice or something like that, which by the way, I love strawberry juice. So there's nothing, no shade to strawberry juice, but we wanted to create something really complex and that's really hard. So often, you know, when I give people, yeah, I say you have to, prom- I'll send you a box with everything in it. You have to promise me one thing is you'll have it three times over the course of the week. Because often people say they'll try it, they'll leave it in their fridge and then they'll be like, I'm going to try this again. And they'll start craving it. And I think it's because one, the first time you have bitter on your taste buds and depending on what you've eaten before or the time of the day, like if you have a shot of Gia in the morning, which I wouldn't recommend you do, like it's going to be so much bitter because your taste buds specifically for bitterness are much more sensitive in the morning. So we always do tastings in the middle of the day because if you have them and, you know, and after an hour of tasting, we know that like our taste buds are shot and we don't even taste the bitterness as much. Like I think it's fresh, but I don't even think it's bitter anymore. So Gia was designed to be just the right bitterness and also very versatile. So for those of you who drink, you know, Negronis or Negroni alternatives, it's not going to feel very bitter, but it's going to feel fresh. There's fresh ginger. So there's a little spice in it. There's yuzu. Our yuzu comes from Japan because I just think it's the best, you know, citrus. It's perfectly balanced. It has a tiny bit of saltiness to it. And then we have rosemary. We have elderflower. The base is, is a grape base, although it's really not overly sweet. There's no added sugar in our drink. And you know, this idea was like, if you want, if you were to take like a Negroni or a Campari soda, which I really love to do, like I loved the ritual of making a Campari soda because opening the bottle and making it into a drink, it's like really simple. You don't have to think about it if you know how to, but it's still a ritual. It's like preparing something for yourself. So it's like glass, ice, one part bubbles, like one part Gia, or one part Campari, one part bubbles. So it's like one part Gia, two part bubbles. And you kind of do it based on the color. So there's no measuring, there's no equipment, you know, we didn't want it to be intimidating. We just wanted it to be like, oh, it's really fresh. Like I actually often have a Gia, you know, an hour or two after lunch because it's like a perfect palate cleanser as well. Mm-hmm. And when I would reach for my second coffee, like I just love to have Gia. And it's like truly read the ingredients list, you know, the thing that I'm the most proud of. We have an amazing team. We have an amazing like office customer base. Like we really sweat the details, but honestly, it's really what's inside the bottle that counts. And I'm so proud of our ingredients list. You know, it's really, we source everything like super mindfully. And that's why this year, you know, was so hard. It's like after all the hurdles of COVID, I think there's been repercussions on the supply chain that have been tremendously difficult. And I think anyone that has a company will tell you that a food business, especially. So I'm really happy that we never compromised on that. And, you know, 
maybe our margins compressed a little bit, but I feel super proud of, of the liquid and, and we have more kind of like updates to it coming next year with new flavors and, and I, I can't wait to roll them out. That's so exciting. I am curious to know, so like when you go home, right? When you go back to Europe, because do you live in the United States right now? Only in the US, yeah. Okay. So when you go home to Europe to visit family and stuff, do you bring Gia with you or what do you usually have kind of if you were to choose like for an aperitivo, like before dinner, how, how is it now that you don't drink kind of being with your family? Or you said that sometimes like generally you live an alcohol-free lifestyle, but when you don't drink and it's the time, you know, five o'clock rolls around and it's summer and you're all sitting outside, what's your ritual there to kind of like enjoy that time with with your family and friends. Yeah, I mean, I always have a couple of bottles of gear with me and with friends when I go for an extended period of time. But otherwise, you know, I like a soda water with like lime and, you know, I'll put like a slice of something inside, but it never hits the spot. Like, yeah, feels like a real drink to me. And there's very few alternatives still in Europe. And I really hope that we get to bring it there in the next few years. Oh my gosh. I hope so after to you too. When you first stopped drinking, you were living in New York City. Is that correct? Yes. So how was it kind of going out with your friends and saying, oh, I don't want to drink I'm or I'm not really drinking right now or I don't feel like it. I think a lot of people and a lot of my listeners who are quitting their relationship with alcohol, and I know even for myself, it was a very kind of intimidating thing for me to begin to do when I started you know, this journey and I would go out and people would ask what I wanted and then they would ask why I'm not drinking. And I think it can be really stressful. So I'm curious to know how you navigated that in your own life. Yeah. I mean, I think there's a lot of pressure. There's a lot of pressure at home, at the work. I think that the emphasis on health and wellness that we see in the US like hasn't quite translated to France yet. Like maybe in Paris, there's like Pilates studios, but you expected to go out and drink with your coworkers after work. And so it's always really tricky. And I think now I'm like the poster child for, you know, have fun and be fun and not drink because it's just so core to like what I do. And I've had to explain it so many times and it's still difficult for me. So, you know, I, I do think though that it's changing super fast and actually much faster than I even hoped when I was starting, starting GIA. And that's, you know, in five years, pushing a drink on someone will be like pushing a cigarette on someone, which is like not really a thing. Like you wouldn't think to do that, you know? And like, by the way, almost as bad. So I know I, I find that people, you know, it's like, well, if I, you know, turn down marijuana or I turn down another like illicit drug, nobody really asks, but it was Mm -hmm. funny. We went to a party the other night and I wasn't drinking and someone asked my boyfriend, they're like, Oh, well, why, why isn't she drinking? And he thought it was, you know, and he drinks, but he was like, you were right. Because I told him, I was like, I think it's the one thing that people are just kind of, it's the one drug of all the drugs where people are like, well, there must be something wrong with you if you don't do it. And he was like, wow. I mean, yeah, she asked me why you weren't drinking. And I just thought like, why does it matter? You know, she's just choosing not to, not to have a drink. So I think it's just very interesting, but I also do love like even bring a, bringing a bottle of Gia to like a friend's house. Or like I said, when I used to bring it skiing, it's nice to have something in your hand that kind of makes you feel like you're part of the, you know, social dynamic. Because I think like you said, alcohol can be a social lubricant. And sometimes even just having a drink in your hand is, it helps. A hundred percent. It's like, there is such a placebo effect and I don't want to use the word presence, but yeah, feeling like close. And that's why, you know, I, I also did a lot of hospitality and brand experience work when I was working freelance. And every time I worked with a restaurant or an establishment, like I always said, like, 
the thing that is most important, like even before the food quality and all of that is how quickly between the time someone gets in a room and their first drink arriving, whether it's alcoholic or non-alcoholic, right? But it's like, it's like such a buzzkill when you sit down at a restaurant and the menu looks delicious, da-da-da, and like your appetizers come before your first drink, you know, because it's that specific moment where you get your drink, like it's like everyone exhales, you know? And so with Gia, we really wanted it. We always say Gia is an invitation to participate because it truly feels like, oh, you have a drink in your hand, like you're not going to be questions. You can be a part of it for it. Right. When you go out now, what's kind of like, when you say you're the poster child for still having fun and being sober, what's like your favorite way to go out, party and be sober at the same time? Do you still feel like you do the same things you did when you did drink or do you feel different at all? You know, not drinking, does it affect maybe your social life? I think now every morning that I wake up and I don't drink, I'm glad that I didn't drink because I feel when I do drink, which is maybe like once a year, someone will be like, just, yeah, I don't know, like there'll be a wedding and I have a glass of champagne or whatever, which doesn't even really happen. I was in Paris in September and my friends were raving about the wine. And so I had a glass of wine, for instance, and like I felt it. Like I opened my eyes at four in the morning and then the following day, I was like, wow, my tolerance is so low that I actually feel that I had this single small glass of wine. So I think that most often I'm super grateful that I don't drink and I'm super grateful for this energy. Like I always explain to people that ask me what it's like to have a booze-free life that I was operating at 70% before without knowing it. And now I operate at hundred and it tends to piss people off. It's just the truth for me. Sometimes it's hard, but I feel so much better without it. That's so great. I feel the same way. I mean, that was for me, something that I didn't even really expect. I feel like I slowly started weaning off of alcohol last year and then it kind of took me a little while. I feel like it took me a few months and then I just woke up one day and I was like, God, I just feel so much better. And I don't, I don't even know how I could go back to, to drinking, you know, casually. It's just so not a part of what I want to do and it doesn't make me happy. And I feel like my life generally, like being able to wake up early and not feel like shit in the morning and like go do what I need to do. I, and I enjoy things much more. I feel like I enjoy things a lot more viscerally now, like the good things and the bad things, which, you know, sometimes it can be hard, but. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. There's also a big part of me that likes that I don't have to make the decision every meal. And that's a big part of why I decided to you know, stop drinking entirely because I was in this gray area for a while where I was like, oh, work is busy. And then maybe, you know, a lot of people I think are trying to make rules with themselves, like negotiating their drinking, which is like, for instance, I'll only drink on the weekend or like we hear all these stories, right? And it's like moderation is, is I think, harder to manage on the daily than making the decision that it doesn't have to be permanent. Like for now, I'm not drinking and seeing how your body feels like then I think you kind of get hooked. It's like truly, how long have you not been drinking before? It's been one year. Yeah. So I don't know if it was the same for you, but I feel like sometimes between the three and six months mark, you get this like almost high from like natural high from like not drinking. Like yeah. you have more energy, you feel like really focused, like much happier. I mean, alcohol is a depressant and it takes a long time to leave your body and for your body to readjust. And so like, that's a story that I hear a lot. And it's funny. I never like, I don't like to preach people not to drink because I'm really pro people doing what they want and having the options. Like, I don't think I want a world without alcohol either. Right. I just don't want to feel forced to drink. And I want to feel like I have like an amazing option if I'm not drinking. But sometimes when it's three and six months mark, I was like, wow, there's something that's going on more. Like my sleep is better. I feel 
happier. I just feel happier. Like there was joy, you know, and it's something that I hear a lot from people and it takes like significant time for your body to feel this way. Yeah, that that did happen for me too. And it still happens for me. I feel like, you know, it's been almost one year and when we go out and I just, I don't crave it. I'm excited to be able to wake up the next morning and feel clear headed. It's such a great great feeling. So are you dating? Were you dating when you stopped drinking? Because I think I know so many people are interested to know about kind of the dating scene and not drinking. So I'm curious if you've navigated that at all. And kind of if you have any advice for listeners or stories. Yeah. So when I stopped drinking, I was single. And if you're thinking like 2018, sober dating in New York City, like Mm -hmm. that was honestly brutal because you have two options right it's like you can order coca-cola and in my case not drink it because i don't want to eat soda at 7 p.m drink soda at 7 p.m and then justify yourself and explain that you know you prefer not to drink but you don't have a problem but also you would really like for like this to not be like completely defining about you and since it's your first date and it's the first <laughs> talk about this is exactly what they're going to remember about you it's like oh it's cute she's french she used to work at glossy and she doesn't drink literally you know what i mean like no or you can order a mocktail and then i'll be like i will get into situations which are sort of like you know i'll have a margarita but like i'll have like a no alcohol margarita but not too much sugar and they'll be like you want like a skinny like mock margarita and then the guy's like who is this person i'm never dating her (laughs) or you can order a glass of wine not drink it and then they think that you're not having a good time right so it's all bad options and i think that that's also why like one of our first so okay we launched in 2020 whatever we did what we could as soon as we could reach out to establishments i was really focused on getting into natural wine bars because i felt like that was the consumer right like had a more developed palate maybe like like slightly more like tart to tannic drinks and you know wine bars are like kind of like first date 101 and that was where I loved the atmosphere it's like not as rowdy as a dive bar it's like not as loud you can truly have a conversation but truly there was nothing in a natural wine bar or in a wine bar that I could drink ever and so one of the first places for instance was Melody Wine Bar in LA and like immediately they told us like we sell so much of it because the people that don't drink know that we have you guys here and so they'll book here like they'll be like suggesting this place as a first date because they know that they can just order a guia and so that was like really a really strong reinforcement for me because that was exactly what you know in my gut when everyone was like no one orders you know I was like well yeah there's nothing to order on the menu no one asks for non-alcoholic drinks and it's like now we have one and it's working well so I'm so happy that we were able to sort of solve that problem yeah we unfortunately we just broke up but I was with my boyfriend for a year and a half. And I think that it just, first of all, in California, I think people now are really open to not drinking. You have to drive everywhere. Um, Him and I had a very active lifestyle. We'd wake up early to surf together. So it was more natural. But I think in dating me, he realized that he was drinking a lot less. And so that was kind of like a strong positive. He was like very much, it still is like we're on totally good terms, like very much like a guia ambassador was like, oh, it's not just girls. You can just be like a guia boy too. Yeah, I love that. And I think too, I mean, the first thing you said about kind of having the mocktail life be your identity, I feel like it's so much of my identity was when I stopped drinking. It was like, you're Olivia, you're an influencer and you don't drink alcohol. I was like, oh, the three, like literally just those are the things that define me. And it's so weird because I'm so 
I, I can go out. Nobody will know I'm not drinking because I like, I like to have fun. I'm energized. I, you know, I'm having a great time and I never want it to define my personality, you know, because it's not, it's not exactly who I am. I mean, sure. It's a part of me and it's something that means a lot to me, but it's not, it's not, doesn't make up my identity. And I, I think too, a lot of people, they always ask because my partner, he does drink and they always ask what it's like having a partner who drinks. And I'm curious to know, you know, how you and your priest partner handled this, but like, we really just respect each other. And I love what you said before, you know, I think a few minutes ago, you kind of said, you don't want to force anybody to not drink alcohol. That's not really your, your situation. You're like, you know, you don't want a world without alcohol. You want people to do what they want to do, but you want the option to be there. And I think even too, with me not drinking, you know, we don't really have a ton of alcohol in the house. We're not having beers every night after dinner. And it's just something that has become very much a part of our lifestyle but we really respect one another. And when he chooses to have a Negroni instead of water at dinner, when he chooses to go out with friends and have, you know, a few, a few drinks or whatever, you know, I come home and I'm like, okay, that's, you know, that's your choice. And thankfully, you know, it, it doesn't get in the way of our relationship or whatever. And immediately when I decided to stop drinking, I, it was, there was never a word from him of like, you shouldn't be doing this. And I feel like the respect, having the respect for each other's individual choices felt so important and it feels so important to kind of have in our relationship. And I'm curious to know, is, is that kind of how things worked with you and your previous partner? Is that how you sustained this, you know, one person drank and another person didn't drink? Yeah, definitely. I think, I mean, there was a lot of like respect, I think, and it's very personal. I also, I candidly, I think the conversation has shifted so much in the past five years that it's like natural now. You're not so against like, Everyone has heard the term sober curious and like, I mean, you know, it's also now undeniably part of my identity. It's like all, yeah, it's all I say about and, you know, so like the issues were not around like whether I'm drinking or not drinking, but whether I like make it out of the office by 11 p.m., you know, so it just like gets in the way and in another way. But there was a ton of like respect and it was like, I was happy to volunteer to be like the designated driver at holiday parties yeah. or like. Remember like a couple of years ago on New Year's where it would be like everyone was trended and I was like, it's like three in the morning and I was kind of like, okay, well, whatever, it's late anyways. And there were like six people in the back of my car and I brought people back from like all the way west to like all the way east of LA and just end up having oh, like, a great time in the car, potentially better than the party that we were at. And so, you know, I just like, my friends very much accepted it, even though it took a while. And I hope that, you know, if I quit drinking today, I wouldn't have to put in the same effort into kind of like reestablishing myself as a person beyond like how my personality as a drinker, which is almost surprising. So it's not like, oh, I'm so fun when I drink. Like I didn't used to drink that much, you know? So it's like a small change like that like, is such a big change in the way that people perceive you. So did you lose any friendships when you stopped drinking? I don't think so. I don't think so, but I could see how that would happen. Like, I feel like one of the things that I was hearing a lot was, I don't want to go out to dinner because I don't want to drink. Because there is, again, this like social pressure to not drink. And I'm like, I always want to have dinner. Like, I never skip a meal. I love food. <laughs> no, for some reason, I'm always hungry. And so I was like, well, you can you just go come to dinner and not drink? And that's something that's really difficult for people to do. So the issue wasn't like my not drinking, but the fact that I seemed, you know, not be accepted into the social occasion if I wasn't drinking. And that's what I sense is reflected on most people. And that's why people would maybe retreat instead of being social. Whereas I'm always out. I mean, I'm not like, I'm not always out. Like I have like a young startup and I'm always busy, but so I don't go out that much, but 
I will not turn down an invitation because I don't drink. Like that's, that's never happened. And I think that's why maybe I created this business because the logic didn't make sense for me, you know, and that was the problem I was trying to solve. So in a sense, I'm grateful for that. But I definitely feel that. Like, and actually that's something that happened with my partner. He was like, not really necessarily like related to alcohol, but like he'd get really busy with work and he'd be like, I want to eat healthy. I want to be in this like perfect routine. And so I don't want to go out. Whereas I'd be like, you know what? I'm going to like swing by there for five minutes, not drink, eat at home, come home by 10 or something. So different approaches. Yeah. And I feel like too, it's about finding that balance, which I think so many of us are always striving for. But I think being able to find that balance of saying, okay, like I'm going to go out tonight. Exactly. Like you said, I'm not going to drink. I'm going to, you know, I'm be able to drive home so that I can get home early and wake up. And I think sometimes, especially too in America, I know like we have this kind of idea that like when you go out, you're going to drink, you're going to stay out, you're going to go to sleep late. You're going to wake up late. Your whole next day is going to be shot. It doesn't really need to be like that. I feel like even now, especially since I've stopped drinking, I have the ability to spend my entire weekend doing the things I want to do. I can go out to dinner on a Friday night, get home, go to sleep, wake up, work out, go out to lunch, go out to another dinner, go to, you know, and it's like these, the, they're not mutually exclusive. You don't have to drink to, to go out and have a good time. And I think that's where people, like you said, that's where people really are getting lost. And I think that you know, companies like Gia are allowing people to say, okay, I can go out and I can have something in my hand. Because I feel like at some point that's like all people need is just to have something in their hands. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well, I am just so grateful that you came on today and chatted with us. I want to know just quickly before we end, I just want to hear about your little routines, your daily practices, what kind of keeps you sane and healthy and happy aside from, you know, work and not drinking like, what do you, where, I don't know if you're, are you living in LA? Yeah. So, and like, I was just thinking in my head, like, why wow, my answers are so LA. I'm like a new human now. Oh my God. Um, I used to live in LA so I, we can connect over this. Yeah. When I graduated college, I moved to New York and I was there for 10 years and I love New York. Like New York City was my playground. I lived in like the tiniest apartment. It was a six floor walk up. No one ever wanted to come up there. So I was like, just always like going over to people's places and like at the terrace of restaurants. And then one morning I woke up and I was like, I have to leave this place. Like I was, suddenly the city girl became a country girl. And I was like, I need yeah. to go. Like, I hate the cold. I hate rodents, which I think is a reasonable thing to not like. And like, they're just everywhere there. And I just like, I was like, I must go. And I was freelancing. I got this project for Sweet Green. They were in LA. I'm very lucky that I have like a little house on the hill with a view. It's unfortunately not my house, but I rent it and, and it, I love making my little pour of a coffee in the morning and drinking it, like overlooking the view. And I wake up super early and I watch the sunrise and sometimes I'll like do a little bit of work or like, you know, read a little bit from my bed, like watching the sunrise, which I love to do. And I also got really into exercising. So I have, you know, I play tennis now. That's something I took up during COVID and I'll surf and I'm just very active or I'll hike or I'll, you know work out with my trainer so I try to commit to four times a week which is the often the only time that I am neither it's my third place like neither in my home nor in the office and it really helps me move my body and and that's been something about living in LA it's much easier to be healthy and so that's something that I've really loved to do I spend a lot of time with my team like I I think that I was really happy to work from home during COVID and like have all this time in my kitchen but also as soon as the world reopened like that was the first thing where I find that we're so much more productive and we get a lot of energy from other people and so 
you know, if you want to work at Gia, it's like in person at the office five days a week. I mean, it, obviously we're very flexible with like vacation and, you know, if you need time off, but I find that we move fast and it's so much easier to work over a shared table. So we are all here. So that's been a, it's been a privilege to build my team this way. And it's definitely one of the things that helped me stay sane. I love that. Well, thank you so, so much for being here, for sharing about honestly your crazy beginning journey with Gia. I don't know how you did it. I still have like residual anxiety hearing about it, but regardless, <laughs> I'm so excited. And for people who haven't tried Gia, you know that I've talked about it on my Instagram before if you follow me, but you have to try it. It's so fucking good. My favorite, I love the bottle, but I also love the little spritz cans because those are great to bring if you're doing any like activity the beach or skiing or what have you. So you must try it. And thank you so much for joining us today, Melanie. Thank you so much for having me.